This is Midlife Whatever, the podcast that examines how Gen Xers, Xennials, and older millennials are navigating midlife differently than our ancestors. On today's episode, I talked to Jet, my brother from another mother. Our life stories are completely different. We look radically different. They're a stunning, super tall, fat Latinx person who has impeccable style and hair. And my look, well, I look like a skinny hipster grunge version of a Becky, unremarkable white person, but regardless of upbringing and aesthetics, we're remarkably similar. Jet and I have been there for each other over the years, and man, a lot of shit has happened. I should say that this will be NSFW and will have strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Jet. How are you? I'm great. It's a cold day in Boston. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here. First, I'd like to say I go by she, her pronouns. Could you please let the listeners know your preferred pronouns? Thank you. I prefer they, he pronouns. Excellent. Excellent. So i just like to get out there. Do you remember, not the exact time or place, but how did we first meet? I feel like I do remember the exact. I do too, because I posted on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, we met at a salon that I was working at in Portland, Oregon, and you just, you know, spun the gauntlet and got me as your stylist, and the rest is history. Um, so I wanted to paint a picture of where you were then versus where you are now. And (laughs) it is radically different. And we don't need specific details per se. But just maybe tell the listener about home life, career, and the gender you were assigned at birth, and general lifestyle versus where you are now. (laughs) Um, Thanks for asking. So Uh, radically different, um, but also not. Um, I would say at that time in my life, you know, I was married. Um, My ex and I were in the beginning stages of trying to have a baby. Um, And, you know, we had moved together from Texas to Portland. It was like within the first five years that we were there that you and I met. And, um, you know, I was just focused on doing hair and kicking ass at that. And um, I had just started playing music again um, for myself as well. And I was at the very beginning stages of um, immersing myself into the local music scene in Portland. Now. Now. (laughs) Oh, also, also, sorry to back up. ADHD life. Uh, neurodivergent life. So we might be speaking a little circular here. Yeah, um, yeah. But we'll Dude, always neurodivergent get the people. Answered. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll always get the, the... <laughs> we will always get the question answered, just maybe five minutes later. Yeah. Um so I was identifying, I guess as like a hard femme. Um I still identify as a femme. Um what gender were you assigned at birth? I was assigned female. Okay. And at that time, I was identifying as a cis woman. Um, But honestly, like, never really felt that way. But I just don't think I really questioned it. I always like viewed myself as like, oh, well, I'm just like, 
a tomboy or like I'm a guy's You girl. also gave off some big dick energy. I mean, <laughs> just kind of naturally. To say that, um, one of my close friends was like, I pick up on your stud, stud energy immediately. And I was like, uh, what? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't really see myself like that. But, um, but it's just funny. So that was what was going on with that. Um, now, I am no longer married. I do have a child uh, with my ex. Um, and I am identifying as agender, non-binary. And honestly, a lot of times I call myself a femboy because that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm just like, that hot e-boy of my dreams yeah. from the 90s. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. The name just flashed through my head. I think in the Craigslist ads, they used to be maybe not necessarily sissy boys, but something along like that line, right? This goes way back, um, listener. If you're a millennial, you're probably like, Craigslist? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Craigslist was like, I mean, how else were you going to meet the only people? way? And you know, I have been a sissy boy on more than one occasion. <laughs> Just leave it at Fantastic. that. Um, and That's for so, a different episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I am definitely, you know, I'm in Boston now, uh, single. I am at Berkeley College of Music studying um, music production and songwriting. I still do hair, but very part time. And that's not my focus. Uh, my focus is more in like my professional artistry and how to um, cultivate that. And, um, you know, I think Portland like kind of bridged that gap in a way of like really immersing myself in that scene gave me the confidence that I needed to show me that, hey, I'm not too old to go after this it's not too late. Mm -hmm. Music is in me and I am music. So I'm just really accepting myself fully by pursuing this path. Totally. Totally. So basically in summation, you, when we met, you were presenting as a cisgender woman who was married to a woman and you were a hairstylist and now you're non-binary femme, non-binary. I would identify as femme. Non-binary femme, musician, and my sober also support system as well. And as I go through my recovery journey. Um, so one thing that is so fascinating, and I think a lot of listeners will be interested to hear is how did you discover that you are trans and your true gender identity? Nothing is too out there. You don't have to get super personal sure. if you don't want to, but nothing is too out there for this podcast. Um, thank you. So thank you for asking. I discovered, I would say I remembered. And I remembered in dream time. And that's when my name came to me and what I heard was you have always felt this way Jet and then I had all these like Rolodex memories of 
like hanging out with the boys, for example, and just feeling like so much more comfortable around masculine energy. Um, because I never really like, even though I love style and I do like presenting femme and I like wearing makeup and things like that in my heart, like, I just want to play in the dirt mm-hmm. and like get, I can vouch get for that people. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, um, so it was very interesting and it was funny cause when the name came to me, it was just kind of like this disembodied voice, um, that said it. And I was like, really confused because it's actually a name that my ex and I had considered for our child. And so I was like, what is that? And then just, I spent a couple of days or maybe like two weeks kind of integrating that dream and meditating. And then in meditation, I heard you are jet. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it's just funny and it's, And to speak on that a little bit for what it means to me spiritually, you know, I think about, I had a very dear friend of mine tell me, who's also trans fam, be like, it doesn't surprise me that Jet is your name because Jet as a stone is petrified wood and it becomes a stone in its beauty and from all of the difficult environments that it has survived wow and then like essentially thrived from you know you think about wood turning into a black stone a beautiful a beautiful revered stone yeah and it's embodied every element mm -hmm. so ah phenomenal that's very insightful very insightful um so what struggles have you faced as a trans person coming out in midlife? Uh, I know it has not been easy because I've known you through your transition. So I think our listeners need to be more aware of what this looks like. <sighs> um, you know, without kind of triggering like, anything <laughs> yeah of course I'm I'm thinking of the graphic of the dog drinking coffee with the it's room on fire yeah. where it's like this is fine like that's basically how I would describe being non-binary in a binary world mm-hmm. you kind of have to pick and choose your battles which with any conflict but it's like I'm not gonna correct the barista Right. On, you know, misgendering me. Like, I literally don't give a fuck enough yeah. to do that. Um, but it's still like, you know, anytime that happens, like, it feels like someone's punching me in the gut. Like, I have a physical reaction to it. But it's jarring when somebody misgenders you. And I can't imagine to have that microaggression lobbed against you constantly. Sure. Yeah. It definitely, like, I mean, being BIPOC, you know, this is something that I'm dealing with constantly as well. So it's just like a whole other layer of bullshit that I have to put up with. And it's, and it just becomes very glaringly apparent, the insidious ways that patriarchy and capitalism infiltrates the world around Mm -hmm. us and forces marginalized groups 
to accommodate yep. themselves to in order to survive. I wouldn't even say thrive, but in, in order to, to survive in the world as we know it. So I think there's um, there's a lot of frustration there on my part, especially when it comes from someone really close to me. Um, you know, there have been struggles with family members, with lovers, with people that like, you know, I'm just like, why is it so it, it, it's hard for me because I don't, I don't even view myself like as a gender whatsoever. Like when I say that I'm femme, that's like how I present. Yeah. But when, when I talk about my gender and me being a gender to me, the best way I can describe that is like, I would die for you by Prince when he's yes. like, I'm not a woman. I'm not a man. I am something that you cannot understand. You cannot comprehend or it's understand, comprehend. I can't remember, but that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm just an enigma. Dude, <laughs> so. the, the fact that you reference Prince, I, I, it's just brings it all together for me because the similarities are just undeniable. I mean, obviously I'm not saying you're Prince, but it, there are certain similarities that are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Reclusive. Yeah. Mysterious. <laughs> musical. The musical is not giving up any secrets. You got to nope. pry those out of me. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so that's a thing, you know, it's just kind of like, I guess for me come to a point of like acceptance that like, yeah, I'm going to have to deal with this bullshit like day to day. And then when somebody goes out of their which to me, it doesn't seem like they're going out of their way. They're doing the literal bare minimum for them yep. to ask me what my pronouns are. But like when I'm at work and my clients are like, I always ask them, what are your pronouns? And then they'll be like, oh, what are yours? Or, or yours are blah, blah, right? Um, so that feels really good having those acknowledgements. Oh, yeah, okay. And it also feels really good to like, I don't know, have a lover tell me that I'm handsome. Yeah. Or like when I'm, more mask presenting, like them being super into it. Um, so that feels good. But I also just sometimes there's weeks where it's like, I, I snap a little I've snapped on someone, you know, a rando who misgendered me where I was just like, had it up to here. It's like, damn, I've been dealing with this from people I'm close to. And you have just hit. This is like the wrong time, the wrong day. And I'm just like, look at them like why do you just assume why can't you ask yes this or is be like no not a lady actually not a lady and I have a lot of trans friends and community too and like it's happening to both of us and we'll just be like we're actually not ladies here yes yes and you at least you live in Boston so if you lash out They'll, they'll, t they'll be like, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the first like very Bostonian, I felt like I got this like Boston punch card going. Someone had parked like an inch, literally an inch behind me and I could not get out. And then they come running out of the building. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And I was like, what the fuck is your fucking problem? Can you move your fucking car? And then I was like, I am now Bostonian. I live here. I, I am Bostonian, the embodiment. <laughs> it was like you were meant to, to always live there because one of the things that, why I may, 
I loved maintaining our friendship over the years is because of that give no fucks attitude and the willingness to actually say it because we totally connect and vibe on that level. Um, yeah. Being direct is one of our strengths. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say some people might not think it's a strength, but I like to think it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I think yes. I would say the Southern yeah. bitch in me would say it's a blessing and a curse, but I've always gotten along with East coasters very yep. well. So speaking of, Portland. Do you think that for I, if the listener knows me, they know that there's no love lost when I left Portland. <laughs> but one wonderful thing about that city is that people, unless you're a person of color, but white people can be whomever they want in terms of gender and queer identity. Do you think that may have helped you remember your true identity in any ways? Because listener, for those who don't know, they moved from Texas to Portland. So, and as we know, Texas is a fucking shit show for non-cis people right now. So Texas is a shit show for anyone who isn't white and doesn't yep. have money. And is it Christian? Basically, yes. Um, tick, 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 tick box. <laughs> yes, it's actually hella embarrassing to be from there. Um, but it is what it is. Yes, I, yes. So I guess um, I would say yes, but I would also say as an overlap, Portland in general will always have a very dear place in my heart because moving away from everything that I've ever known and making it a success story on my own and having the freedom and the space to be who I am unapologetically absolutely paved the way for me to feel comfortable coming out and not just coming out, but just, just being myself. Like, I feel like I'm at this point in my life where like, I really know who I am and I'm curious yes. about who I am and I'm just going. And it with shows, it shows the universe is, is giving you this creative life force that definitely I can tell it's what you're meant to be doing with your life and the passion that you put into your music. It's, it, it really demonstrates the power of, People talk about living your truth in like a life coachy way, but it demonstrates the power of truly embodying it, it unafraid. And mm -hmm. you can tell, and their creativity is just exploding left, right, and center. Um, yeah. So I'd like Thank to you. touch on your creativity uh, and the projects I have so many other questions too, but now that we're on the creativity topic, I, I'm jumping around, but I'd like to touch on your creativity and what, don't you have a project coming up? I do. And thanks for asking. So I have two projects, but I have this, this baby project that has been in the womb 
um, for, oh my gosh, like almost four years now. That's like the and longest it, fucking gestation page. I know. Gestation tell me, stage. Tell me you're a perfectionist without <laughs> telling me, um, which that's a whole other situation. But I think, you know, for me, so that project is an electronic funk project. Ooh, cool. Um, very much inspired by Prince. <sighs> And LCD sound system. Yes. Those are like the two main inspos. And it's really, um, if I could sum up that project in a sentence, it would be, I am not listening to your rules. I love it. <laughs> now that's so, BDE right there. Yes. So it's literally just like, how can I, you know, as a person who's classically trained, who is now in a contemporary um, music program uh, where I have a lot more flexibility. It's listener jet was trained in opera. Yes. <laughs> trained in opera and piano and, you know, multi-instrumentalist, but all classically trained on that until I was like, you know, I am so sick of the protocol that comes with opera. The prima donnas are real. I am not one. If, if you you talk to me for 30 seconds, you're going to know that I am not a prima donna. <laughs> I don't fit that bill. And I never will. And I never want to. And like, I just, I feel like I have so much more freedom now. Um, and so that project is called Cedarson. And it's inspired by a drive to the coast, um, my sacred place on the Oregon coast but it's just very much play and fuck you <laughs> you know oh, like that's the vibe so it's just um and it's bold and it's raw and it's like I'm not afraid to tackle topics like my gender identity I'm not afraid to tackle topics like my mother wound you know these are all universal themes that people experience and the hope is to give other people a platform to move through their own experience with some, some support from art. That's, I, I think that is the key to approaching this era of our lives and coming through the other side with minimized suffering and guilt and shame and all the things that just weigh us down is that vulnerability and the willingness to open up. And I've noticed even with this podcast, I've asked people to talk about certain topics and they're, they either have shame over, oh, my voice sounds ridiculous, or, oh, I don't want to sound stupid in my answers, or, oh, I haven't told anybody about this publicly yet. Even if you lose all the identifiers, I'm afraid. And fear is such a driver to, to these negative self-beliefs and the repression of the, your creative being and who you're meant to become. And so it's just, I find it very inspiring that you are pouring out your vulnerability in such a public artistic way. So I commend you. Thank you. It's scary. You know, it is why scary. Do you it's been in the womb as long yeah. as it has been, but there will be a release this year. Yes. And like 
at some point you have to get out of your own way. At some mm-hmm. point you have to realize how you're holding yourself back, how your imposter syndrome, the inner saboteur, which comes from shame, yep. guilt, childhood experiences, like you're speaking of fear at its core. I mean, if we're talking about most things are fear and love, that's a, a fear-based um, idea. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it also helps me to push myself, but it's scary because yeah. it forces me to be seen. Yes. But it hurts too much to hide. Ah, that's beautiful. It forces me to be seen, but it hurts too much to hide. You're a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> How can you tell? <laughs> I, I just like feel like at this point, you know, in Texas, we say shit or get off the yep, pot. Yep. Right? Like, you just, yep. just like at some point, it's got to be good enough and yep. done. And yep. for me, as a listener and a purveyor of arts, like one of my favorite things about artists is looking at their evolution. So, why would I hold that back from other people? And you can't, yeah. And that is how you get to the next level of your art and your creative process is by unleashing it to the world and be willing to sit with both the accolades and the negative feedback because people, it's, it can be hard to receive, to receive positive feedback as well for a lot of people. So it can be difficult both ways. And just sitting with that is, is an opportunity for growth in and of itself. Absolutely. And I think for me too, a big part of it has been like, at the end of the day, remembering this is my project. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to take that advice. You know, I've had, I've had advice given about the ways in which I've approached things. And I've been like, okay, that's fine. Well, this is a creative like to me, I'm not saying to them, but like in my head, I'm like, this is a creative choice I'm making. And then it's funny because then in the same vein, so this is like an academic setting that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. that um, the other cohorts are like, don't you dare change that yet. Like that's going to make you stand apart. Yes. So it's, I mean, my hope is to always evoke a strong reaction Yes, it's good or bad. I don't give a fuck. Um, But like, I think art is supposed to do that. A hundred percent. Yep. So that was, that was fulfilling for me to hear all of that because I've just been watching, but not, I have never dove in and examined it from an analytical perspective, but thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate it. Now we're switching gears back to something quite not quite as fun, but something that I feel is very important for uh, the listener, my my like ten friends and family members that might listen to this. <laughs> hey, you never know. Don't sell you. Never know. No, someday, someday. I not yet. Someday it will be monetized. Um, so f- first, what does healthcare look like for you? <laughs> Because I know for me, it's anxiety ridden and I'm, I'm cis queer. I can't imagine what it's like for you. Uh, I is my thoughts on healthcare. So I'm actually, I'm uninsured. 
Yeah. Um, and I have been uninsured most of my life being a person who's self-employed and living in the great United States. Um, so I usually just pay out of pocket. Aye, aye, aye. So, but uh, being a non-cis BIPOC fat person. That's is where I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, situation. A level of shit and concrete and yes. Like reproductive health. Um, Ugh. I go to Planned Parenthood in Boston and they've been great. Um, well, they good. don't misgender me. They don't, they use my name. Um, there's a lot of faces of color, not just patients, but people who work there. That oh, feels good. good. Um, and Boston's very um, segregated, but it's diverse. And I appreciate that. When it comes to like general healthcare, honestly, I still see my provider in Portland. Oh, like telehealth, because he's the only person my whole life who has never fat shamed me when I came out, you know, was when I was seeing him and he was like, I love it. Like he's exuberant. He's a naturopath. He passed. He does Chinese medicine. So for me, that works better. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then he continues to care for me because he's been practicing for almost 40 years. He was the only one who didn't crazy make me. Yeah, That's a whole other thing being thin presenting. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, Oh, I'm having this ailment. They oh, never no, believe. Not. They never believe a fab people at the, no, or they just blame my system. weight. Yeah. Yeah, and they then, well only if you lost some weight, it's like fuck off. Which is bullshit because yeah. like my doctor, for example, is like, damn Jet, your blood is cleaner than mine. Yes. So uh, listener, um Jet eats very healthily, except for the occasional treatsy goute, as we call it, my family. But Jet's a vegan. Jet was paleo for a while, but Jet loves their fruits and veg and avocados and all the delicious non-animal flesh, non-animal products has Mm -hmm. super, super healthy. Jet's one of the, I have a few friends in my life who are proudly fat and very healthy. They're all no cholesterol problems, no pre-diabetes and It's really taught me, someone who struggled with my weight, yo-yoing up and down for my whole life, that the scale is just a fucking number. Exactly. And it's interesting, too, because when I started on my health journey, I was at my highest weight since since then I have, um, you know, on my own brought that down. And I actually reversed my prediabetes. Yeah. And like, I mean, that was some diligent years of work, working with um, fasting under Mm -hmm. the supervision of my doctor Mm -hmm. and also eating whole foods vegan. And I'm also gluten-free because I have sensitivity Mm -hmm. Um, and a DNA marker for celiacs. So we would like to avoid that if possible. And then, you know, since getting sober, like not putting 
the poison of certain substances in my body and, and not just substances, but I think the emotions too. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about emotional sobriety a lot within sobriety. And I think about how certain emotions poison my spirit if I hold on to them. And I think it's the same thing. Yeah. And I think it's also like the, um, we talk a lot about the difference between being sober and dry. Yes, that's it. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's awareness and, and doing the work that comes along with that too. Yeah. And I, I jet posted photos like a series during their, um, fasting and, uh, journey with, veganism and sobriety and their skin and their eyes literally it was amazing to see just not just the beautiful their beautiful complexion but just the brightness that came back to their being mm-hmm. um so in in thinking about neurodivergence which you mentioned earlier and sobriety i know that a lot of my issues with alcohol what were around me using it to self-medicate a couple of things. But now I'm realizing that a lot of my, I used it to dull sensory issues that I had and the anxiety that also came with being autistic. Did you have in your neurodivergence, which is ADHD, uh, did you identify that link for yourself at all? Yes. Um, And it's interesting because, so I think back to like when I first started using alcohol and it was never healthy. Mm -hmm. Like I had my first drink when I was 12. Wow. And I got drunk by myself at home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I did that was because I was having very strong feelings of abandonment and I wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. And I also had a curiousness about it. But like what 12 year old is like, yeah, I'm going to get drunk at my parents' house when they're gone. <laughs> like, I was I mean, 16, but I did the same thing. <laughs> Right. So like, I just think that it's very interesting. That's young. And I do have, um, I'm adopted and I have substance abuse um, on both sides and being an indigenous person as well, you know, our bodies don't process alcohol Mm -hmm. the same way that white people do. So I... None of the garbage really that white people eat, like the sad, the sad white diet. (laughs) The white exactly. diet of white people. <laughs> the, white, the bread, the butter, the salt, you know, like. I love my just, butter and salt, though. <laughs> right? Exactly. So I feel like that's very interesting to think back to, you know, the root of mm-hmm. like when that first started. And then looking at when, for me, you know, my, I identify as an addict because that's just an all-encompassing word Um, so I'm an addict in recovery and I, I really started 
abusing substances as a form of escapism, escapism from my feelings, escapism from sensory environments. And then especially like drinking in my twenties. I mean, I was, I was wild. I was a club kid. I hated being in those sensory environments, but it's interesting because like I'm sensory seeking. Yep. Okay. So like, I want to be with a bunch of people in like a hot, and have sweaty, the like base, like you can floor. feel the base. Yeah. Yes. And like strangers sweat all over me. And, you the know, smell. I live for that. Yeah. But then it gets to this point and I'm done. Yep. Oh, I'm tapped out. Me too. And I got to get out said of I there turned now. into a pumpkin. They would be like, we were in, we were in Bangkok and one of my dear friends was like, Oh, watch Kelly. She's about to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> get her home. Cause I don't, I'm not like ship. I wouldn't get ship face blackout. Like, whoa. I would just all of a sudden, like, I have to be home in my bed now. And I couldn't moderate. I couldn't regulate my neuro- neurology, my sensitivities in a way to help me figure out like 30 minutes before that point. So I would just keep drinking mm-hmm. <laughs> cause it would like subdue that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think about how many times I similarly violated my own boundaries mm-hmm. because I I don't think I really understood what was going on. Yes. Because I'd be like, well, I was exactly. just having fun. And like, yep. what, now why am I feeling hella agitated and like I want to Superman punch people? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. Same, dude. Uh, I- <laughs> It's that I am totally fascinated by the link between self-medicating undiagnosed neurodivergence. I think it's a lot more common than there's been research for. Um, So if anybody out there is identifying with anything we're talking about, hit me up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Happy to talk more about it in depth. Um, So has this entire journey... Uh, of, I mean, I can't imagine there would be any other answer than yes, but has this been a, a, a transformative healing process for you? Yeah. It's hurt like hell. Yes. (laughs) The pain, man. Um, Growth fucking sucks. It does. It's, you know, it's, it's been, um, Morpheus can take his damn pill back. I want (laughs) to me back in the matrix. Give me the Exactly. Oh my God, but please no. Not yeah. stick, not stick. <laughs> well, please no, please no matrix. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to yeet myself like, you know, like up into, yeah. So I can actually be the enigma that I feel yes. inside. Yes. Um, but no, I feel like, yeah, it's it has been transformative. And with that comes certain levels of, difficulty and it's you know it's like a video game Mm -hmm. like I think about Mario right when we're going through like all the different levels and then we get to Bowser's castle and then we do it again it's like you know Mm -hmm. the bottom the top of a mountain is the bottom of another one and it just (laughs) you just said top and bottom (laughs) (laughs) I did sorry go ahead tell me your verse without telling (laughs) um but no I feel like I I think the difference is what this journey has taught me is that I do have the confidence and frankly the gusto 
to get through whatever is thrown at me because there have been, I mean, you and I know each other personally. So like, there's been a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And a lot. Yes, there's been a lot, but I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And it, and I had this discussion actually with my best friend, my writer die who I've known for almost 20 years last night of like, yeah, there's still bullshit going on in my life, like big stuff, but I'm happy. Yeah. Like even with that shit going on. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And it's like, I can have the happiness and the joy also have moments that are chaotic Mm -hmm. where I feel very imbalanced, but they will pass. Whereas before recovery, it was a tornado. Bingo. Bingo. Recovery is what got me to where I am now. And my journey with recovery has been several years long. Mm -hmm. There was a relapse in there. And for a long time, I like beat myself up for it. But it taught me, no, I actually do have a problem. Mm -hmm. And this is like, I think when I first got sober I was like eh, I was dry right like I was just like "Ah, I don't drink yeah I'm not gonna do this thing yeah and then I ended up going through something traumatic multiple traumatic things during that time and I'm telling you the reason I got through it was because I wasn't using and now still going through multiple things but coming up you know, like just had 18 months a couple of months ago. And like, that was where I never got past before. And I must say, Jet, there are a few people who I've had my eye on before I started my recovery program. And one of them was Jet. And they've always been so helpful and supportive and I've they know I've been I had been hemming and hawing but they were there for me when I I needed them and it's just you are an inspiration oh well thank (laughs) you and likewise and you know it's just like too I kind of get weird about like time like disclosing yes it's been over a year and a half because I there are a lot of things within that we're taught and programmed that our white ideas that come from privilege. And Mm -hmm. like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't personally like when that happened, I was like, Oh, that happened. Cause I'm not over here like counting days or it's too much pressure. Honestly, like it stresses me the fuck out. So for some people that works, but also it's like linear time is a totally like white Western concept. What, is it, what does that even mean? Yeah. What is time and space anyways? It's all and illusion. listener, this is on daylight savings, whatever. I don't even know how it works, but this is the spring forward day that we're recording this. So <laughs> in America, not here in France. I totally forgot that. Yeah. See, like, another illusion. Yes, exactly. Capitalism. It is. Why? hundred percent. It's a throwback to capitalist agrarian society. And now we're entering a neo-feudal state 
The demise of capital. Okay, fuck this. Anyways, let's get back to the thing. Okay, let, are we reading from um, 1984? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> reading Marx. Here's my Marxist reader. Um, so before, I just want to ask one more question before we wrap up. What advice do you have for someone who is discovering their true gender identity in midlife? Play. Play. I like it. Like I experiment, Mm -hmm. try things on. I mean, this is like the idea, right? That we're discovering that sexuality and gender is fluid. And like, for me, you know, I feel, I feel amazing when I'm all like, gothy dom femme mm-hmm. and then I also feel amazing when I'm wearing my binder and I'm packing and I look like a punk rock dirt bag Hot. Like, <laughs> you know like and wearing like pink docks like mm-hmm. I'm looking, I literally am the queerest looking person on the street hopefully that's always the goal yeah um but I just think play and don't rush Yeah, You know, for me, even like, sometimes I'm just like, no, they, them pronounce today. But then I kind of started to realize like, no, I actually really also like masculine comments and like, like, sorry, masculine compliments and also like masculine pronouns. Mm -hmm. And that was an evolution for me. I Mm -hmm. didn't find that out until actually like a past lover who is trans mask, like helped cultivate a safe space for me to express my masculinity and then now it's been like and it was really just through observing them Mm -hmm. too and like yeah there were certain dynamics as well but now I'm like I will draw on a mustache and look queer as hell on Newbury Street which is literally like hella white hella affluent and I'm walking around with this fucking mustache yes. on. I don't give a fuck. Yes. You know? So play, experiment, take it slow, mm-hmm. and just have fun. And also, like, you get to choose who you are in that moment. And nobody gets to tell you that you are invalid. Yes. You are so, like, so valid no matter what happens it doesn't take away your transness yes i'm clapping i'm clapping i thought i was gonna cry and then i was like no you can cry here too you can curse (laughs) cry it's all that was beautiful i don't cry i only cry i'm a the like the person who has one tear oh when i cry that's mysterious and sexy It's awful. It always (laughs) happens at the worst times, too. It's like, we're breaking up. Here's my one tear. Great. (laughs) I would totally make fun of you, though, because it's, like, perfectly staged, like, in a movie. It is. That's why I have this. I have a little tear tattoo (laughs) on my finger also. So I can always remember that. Where can the listeners find you on Instagram or any other platform for your creativity? Thank you. Um, So I have two Instagrams for my projects and that's really like the best place to get 
news about releases and also to just kind of see my process because I often pro will post like in process things or like, this is a jam that I did mm -hmm. just because I think it's important to show the creative process as well. So the first one for Cedarson, which is what we talked about earlier, that's C E. I'll link it. You don't have to spell. I'll link yeah. it in. Okay. Thank yeah. you. So see at Cedarson. And then the other one is at femonnoir.music. And, and that's a more a commercial project. Are the both of those Instagram or do you also do TikTok or anything? They are both Instagram. Perfect. I do have a TikTok actually um, that also features music as well as a little more personal stuff, which is uh, the Babe Abides Dude. Well, very cool. We have come full circle and talked about everything, not everything. God, I could have you on again to talk about <laughs> dating men oh we'll have to do an episode <laughs> yeah that's a new <laughs> you know and, and that's funny too because that's been since the trans since yeah, coming out as that trans. i really want to get into but when we have you on next season it's more gay now yeah <laughs> you're like i gotta get back i gotta get back to the downstairs kitty cat okay well this was wonderful and i will we'll be in touch and i look forward to talking to you even more. Yes. And I so appreciate your spirit and your openness. And thank you for having me and also just, you know, allowing me to be myself unbridled and not having to censor anything. Thank you. Of course. Awesome. Anytime. <laughs> Super fun. Exactly as much fun, more fun than I thought. No, I knew it would be this fun. That's why I had you on as one of my first guests. So. <laughs> All right. Well, have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you later. Abiento.